Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If I'm feeling discouraged about something, I need to come to the Lord and say, God, just honestly, God, I'm, I feel discouraged right now with this here. And I'm looking for you to speak to me. And you'd be amazed how why we need to have devotions every day. It's why we need to take time to get into the word. You'd be amazed how you put your face in the book. And I'm discouraged about something over here with work. And I get into this book and get reminded about the gospel. I get reminded about where I'm supposed to, where I was headed and where I'm going now. And just it's amazing how just a perspective changed. Nothing in my environment changed except my perspective. I got my eyes back on the Lord. Whether we care to admit it or not, each and every one of us gets discouraged from time to time, whether spiritually or practically. If you're not careful, we can often end up losing perspective, putting our attention elsewhere, and distracting ourselves from God. As Pastor Bill discusses in his message today, the quickest way to get back on track from discouragement is to dive into the Word. In his study, you'll be reminded that by putting your focus on the Lord, your perspectives will be realigned with the kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 21 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I want you to pay attention right now because how we deal with discouragement, it can make a critical difference in the outcome. Everybody here is going to be discouraged at times, but but we got to learn how to deal with it. There are things that happen that are just discouraging. If you walk out to the, the you know, you're getting ready to go do what you got to do for the day, you walk out and the car tires flat. That's just, that's, that's just kind of a bummer. That's discouraging. I was trying to do what I was supposed to do. There are things that can just kind of deflate your tires and let the air out of your cell. Uh, for me, there are things, if something happens with my kids, that's just, that's just a, it's a, they can become a real discouragement at times. And so when things happen that are discouraging, um, you got a few options. I'm going to tell you right up front what not to do. Uh, when something discouraging happens, you don't want to just look at it and then just, just go ahead and dive into the, the pool of discouragement. I can't believe this happened to me. This happened to me. I'm so good. I've been doing that's If you go in, if you go down that road, there's no upside. You know, just, oh, woe is me. I was doing so good. I was so bad. I was praying. I did devotions today even, and then he still let that happen to me. And that's where people get into a pity party because this is what happens. That tone of that complaint, who are you complaining against? God's not fair, what you're saying. So that's what I'm saying, what you're saying when we do that. Saying, God's not fair. God, I've done my part and you didn't do yours. God, that's not fair. That's, that's what it begins to sound like. But, but is God fair? So we're, 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 so when we, when I, when I buy into that and I, some, some of us won't voice it, but we'll think it. Some people will think it and voice it. Um, but it doesn't matter if I voice it or think it because God sees my thoughts, right? So I just got to be careful about what I do when I'm discouraged. So that's what you don't want to do. Let's look at verse four. It says, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. If you guys remember last week, they came to the Edomites and said, hey guys, can we cut through here? Um, you know, the Edomites said, no, y'all can't cut, y'all cut through here, we'll jack y'all up, but you can't come through here. And so now they're having to go the long way around. They got to go all the way around because Edom said, we'll jack y'all up, y'all come through here. Now, I wonder why they didn't pray that God would let them jack up the Edomites. I don't know, but you know, they're going around the long way around Edom and Excuse me, as a result, it says, um, then they journeyed from Mount Hor to by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. It says, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. 
So as they're going the long way all the way around, because the Edomites told them, if y'all come this way, we're going to beat you up, they're discouraged. Um, maybe because now, you know, again, they're walking. There's a large company of them. And this is what I believe is happening. I believe that when I know I'm a child of God and I know I'm supposed to be walking in victory and I know that I know some things that are supposed to be and I'm walking all the way around because I'm scared to go through the middle because they said if we go through here, you know, we will get you guys. We'll come to war with you. Um, that that's a just I mean, I could just, I could just see. I mean, I don't know if anybody here have ever been, you know, maybe you bullied when you were a kid. And so you you tried to go a different way to avoid somebody that was looking for you that, that you, you can't feel encouraged. You know, going the long way, hoping that they don't catch you or don't see you. This is a whole company of people. This is a whole nation of people that are walking around the long way, hoping that they don't get got by these people. That's discouraging. They should be walking in victory. They should be they should be able to just trek right on through there wherever they wanted to. And I believe they could have. I believe they could have sought the Lord for that. I believe they could have they could have cried out to God for that. But in this instance here, they're just going along the long way and they're discouraged. Maybe God has you in some scenario where you're having to go the long way and it's discouraging. You're getting impatient. This is the thing. Even though they were going the long way, they were going the long, the wrong, they were going the long way to the right direction. They were still making their way toward the promised land, even if it had to be the, the long way. If God let it be this way for them and they had to go ahead and go around, then at least they were still making progress. They were still moving in the right direction, but they got discouraged along the way. And that happens a lot of times. There are people that, that there's something God's doing and there's little evidence that it's happening, but God is taking too long. Anybody here feel like God took too long to do something for you? Um, a lot of people, you know, God in their, in their estimation, it's taking too long. Um, what you don't want to do when you think God is taking too long, it's, it's take a shortcut because you're going to pay for that. You know, you don't want to make a shortcut. You don't want to try to get outside and do it your own way. And you don't want to be discouraged along the way. As I look over my life, and there were things that I really, really wanted God to do. And I, I really can't think of very many things that God did as soon as I wanted him to do them. Um, he eventually did them. And then once it's done, it's done. But it seemed like it took forever. I, and, I, you know, I, I, there are things that I, I, I remember intently just really crying out and asking God to do and not understanding why he wasn't doing what he was doing. And now, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. I can look backwards and see that. Man, when I was in that place there wanting God to do this, God was doing something right then and I was missing it. He was working on me right then. And so I spoke this morning to a, a, a buddy of mine, he's a youth pastor. And as I was a youth pastor for 11 years, that can be a discouraging ministry to do. Um, right now I'm teaching you guys, all you adults are sitting here. I'm, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. People are writing down verses, writing down notes. This is a, a teaching atmosphere. This is what it would be like doing youth ministry when I was doing. I'd be teaching and there'd be a, the kids that were really in tune were always right here in the front. Most of the worship team, the sound kids, the kids, that they would be right in this little section here. But everybody else, and it felt like, it maybe not was everybody else, but a good a good amount of kids as you, I mean you studied all week I mean you are you are breaking bread with these kids kids are throwing papers kids are in the back with hoodies on with iPods in listening to the devil's best you know music and hip-hop and R&B right now I mean just guys over here trying to cuddle up with his girl that he don't get to hang out with but they, they it's like we at church get off of her you know and I mean this is I'm trying to teach and all this is happening in your eyes non-stop in and out and in and out getting up going back and and you're, you're trying to bring the best you can bring. That was, it's a discouraging ministry. Um, and the, the one blessing I got having done it for years 
was to see. And the Lord spoke to me about it when I was doing it, that because his word doesn't go out void, you got to continue to give it out. Um, you can't teach them like they're acting because the word still doesn't go out void. And I could, I could say after the years go by, you watch kids make, hit the boomerang. Kids that weren't walking when you were teaching them come back around and they got some stuff. It, it stuck. You know, you just, you just, you had to, you had to minister to them by faith. You couldn't see it happening. So this guy was talking to him and he's discouraged. You know, he's like, man, I'm doing all this stuff and preaching these kids, man. And then this girl gets pregnant and this kid does this over here. And, and it's like, you know, you, you start wondering, like, does this even matter what I'm doing? Does it even worth anything? And, you know, just had to sit him down and say, man, this, do you believe this verse? That my word does not go out void, but it accomplishes everything. I say, if you believe that, then you go back and you keep giving them the word and you give it to them harder and you give it to them more. But if this is true, then you got to keep doing it. You got to go back and continue to do it. But. We can all be discouraged. We can be discouraged in service. We can be discouraged in, you know, you can be discouraged in your marriage. You can be discouraged in your parenting. You can be discouraged in your work. You name it. You want to be cautious about what you do when you feel that way. If I'm feeling discouraged about something, I need to come to the Lord and say, God, just honestly, God, I'm, I feel discouraged right now with this here. And I'm looking for you to speak to me. And you'd be amazed how why we need to have devotions every day. It's why we need to take time to get into the word. You'd be amazed how you put your face in the book. And I'm discouraged about something over here with work. And I get into this book and get reminded about the gospel. I get reminded about where I'm supposed to, where I was headed and where I'm going now. And just it's amazing how just a perspective changed. Nothing in my environment changed except my perspective. I got my eyes back on the Lord. And realize that I'm not going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. I'm not lost, but I'm saved. I'm not disconnected from God, but I'm connected from God. I'm not a, I'm not a child of the devil, but I'm a child of the Lord. And so, yeah, that's happening, but I don't go it alone. He goes through it with me. You know what? Nothing changed except that I got my eyes on the Lord. And so that's why it's so critical that we do this every day. Spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time in the word. Because when you get just looking at your stuff, that's how people get depressed. You know what? Whenever you still, whenever I'm talking to someone that's depressed, it's, Without fail, I'm talking to a man or a woman that is spending too much time looking at them, their own stuff. They're just they're fixated on what's gone wrong. And as you meditate on what's gone wrong, it'll depress you. When my mother died, that was probably, for me, that's the first time in my life I've ever really felt grief. Like I, I experienced grief. And as I was trying to sort through it and God spoke to me, God gave me some words. One thing I got, I realized I had made this memorial video for her funeral. And it was a video of all these pictures of her and, you know, it's got music in the background, all this stuff. I realized after the funeral that all of that stuff for a period of time just need to be put away. For me to look at a picture is only discouraging. She ain't here. Like there was no upside for a period of time. For me, there was no upside. So rather than focus on something that's just going to bring me down, I just put it all. I told my wife. I'm leaving all the stuff in the box. I said, can you please just put it away somewhere for me? She put it away. I don't want to, I want to have it for later, but right now I want to look at it. Put it away. Right? For me, it would have been just a, and I had to tell my sister. I was talking to my sister and she was struggling. I'm like, she's like, yeah, I still have the big picture from the thing. I said, put all that stuff away for a while. Get it out of your face. Right? There's no, it isn't, it's, it, you will never forget her, but there's nothing encouraging about looking at something bad that just happened and just keeping it right in your face. You're only going to feel bad. And when you find someone that's depressed, there's someone that's looking at the messed up stuff, but they're not looking to the Lord. You can't look to the Lord and be depressed. That'll bring, it'll bring you up every time you get your eyes on him and you look at who he is and what he's done, how much he loves you and the difference that he's making in your life and what you were, you know, compared to what you are. It'll bring you right back on up.
And sometimes God will bring me right on up. Ain't nothing changed except for the direction of my eyes back on the Lord. So we'll keep our eyes on the Lord. Amen. And so now look at what they say. Now that they become, it said, very discouraged in verse four. Look at verse five. It says, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. This is what happens when you get discouraged. They speak against God. They speak against God's representation or his leader, Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. And we'll come back to that. First thing, as they're discouraged and their eyes are no longer on the Lord, they they first complain against the Lord. Instead of bringing their complaint to the Lord, they're complaining against the Lord. And many times when people are upset with the Lord or at odds with God, they'll also be at odds with those that represent the Lord. I've learned that being a pastor that. I'll have people that because I represent the Lord to people sometimes because I speak his word to them. I may speak a challenging word or a corrective word. And I've had people be upset with me, be mad, um, you know, upset with me. And I'm just I just said what God said. I said it nice. You know, I said I prayed to when I gave it to them and they still was mad. And I said, ain't this something? You know, when I was in the world and, and I just this is tripped me out when I was in the world, you know, I look at the, when I was living worldly and I was doing negative things even there wasn't confusion and people weren't complaining against me i was selling drugs it was no confusion over hey this is for twenty dollars this is for fifty this is for one hundred how much do you have i never had confusion i never had somebody drive up i I can't believe he charged me that much for that you know never just doing doing those sort of things no problem right communication was very clear no problem at all you get saved Start walking with the Lord. Tell somebody, hey, you know, the Bible says that you shouldn't do that. How are you telling me what the Bible says? And, and, and now you people upset with you for just doing this. If you represent the Lord to people, you got to know that sometimes you're going to experience how they feel towards God. People that are at war with God will be at war with God's representation. Some of you parents have experienced that as you try to hold the standard up for the Lord in your home. And you're the representation. You're the one doing it. It's, it's they don't want it yet. So you're holding a standard in the home. And so their war with God becomes a war with you. What you can't do as a parent is bend. What you can't do as a parent is say, well, I just want to be their friend. And, and that's what some parents do. And then, then they just stop warring. So now there's no standard. So you know, and I've, I've heard this from Christian parents. Well, this is a, these are the excuses that Christian parents give for letting the standard go. I don't want to crush their spirit. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. None of us will be a better parent than God. And when I look at God give discipline in the scriptures, some of it's pretty crushing. We're going to look at some of it tonight. It's pretty radical. It's not. I don't. I never. I never hear God say, "I don't want to crush." God never. He never said he was never worried about their spirit. He wanted to revive their spirit. He wanted them to. He wanted them to be broken in their flesh that they would look to Him again. And He did whatever it took. Those are those are worldly ideas. We don't want to crush their spirit. You know, I don't want to, you know, I want I want them to I want to have their friendship because, you know, I've had parents that let their kids drink and do drugs at home. Well, I'd rather them do it here with me than to do it out there. And all these things, you know, this parents just drop. There's no standard. Now you can't even help them. You can't help him go to heaven like that. There's no you're not upholding the standard. Right. You just you just came down to where he's at. And now you guys are living at peace. Um, but the Lord is not at peace with any of it. So be encouraged, parents, with that, that if, you, if you're if you holding up the standard, you're the leader 
speaking for the Lord that sometimes just like they're mad at God, then they turn it on Moses real quick. Um, when people up, upset with God, at war with God, at odds with God, many times it'll come towards those that are representing you. And if you're in any kind of spiritual leadership, you're going to have that too. When you hold a standard, challenge someone, tell them what the word says. It's not always fun to tell people, you know, some people, I don't, it's not, we don't do it out of enjoyment. There have been times you got to tell somebody, you guys are living like that. You know, y'all living in sin. It's not okay. And some people aren't happy to hear that. They're not pleased to receive that information, but it's the truth, right? And I have to feel like if, if, if you came my way, I at least hit you with the truth. Lifestyle things, so forth and so on. If, if you come my way, I represent the Lord. I owe you. Tell you, I'm going to do it as gently as I can. I'm going to do it with as much love and grace and, and juice as I can. But I still got to tell you the truth so that I don't make you feel like what you're doing is. I, I don't want someone to feel like that my silence was my approval to what they were doing. That's what happens. There'll be people that know what you are. They know what you represent. And so they'll just come by you and they'll, let, they'll do what they're doing. If you don't say that, they're like, OK, well, I must, must be all right. He didn't even say nothing. So you got to speak up. You owe it to people. Um, but again, as his representation, sometimes you will catch the heat that's aimed at him. Now, look at what they say at the end of verse five. Now, they, they said they spoke. Uh, they spoke against God. And they spoke against Moses. The same complaint their parents made. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this land into the wood? Now, when they came out of Egypt, these these were babies. They were probably babies, if that. And they're like, you know, so they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Why did you just let us stay there and die? And then look at what he says. Or look at what they say. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. They talking about the manna that God supplies supernaturally from heaven every day. They said we can't stand this manna. We can loathe this, this work. It's worthless, Lord. Now, now they've been have been thirty eight, almost forty years at this point. They've had manna every way you can have it. They've had manna cake. Manna bait, fried manna, boiled manna, broiled manna, rolled manna. They've had it in every way you can have it. But at this point, that's God's provision. And this can happen quickly with us. That thing that one day was an answer to prayer, after a while, you're complaining about that, that provision. You're complaining about that provision that God gave. People do this with their jobs. That job, you was one day praying that God would open the door and give you favor. You was hoping that they, you would get the call back. You got the call back. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Whoa. And that same job, after you have it for a while, get used to that paycheck, not that big a deal no more. Forgot what it was like when you didn't have it at all. And you get to that same place, that same job, you're complaining against it. Oh, I can't stand this job, man. And, you know, that's what people, some people do this with their spouses. That spouse you were praying, God, please, please show her that I'm the one. Please open her eyes, Lord, to see that I'm the one for him or her, or whatever. And, and God gave him to you. Now you got him. You've had him for a while now. And now you can like that worthless spouse you gave me and, and all this stuff. Same thing. Be a car. It, it could be your home, the place you live in. That place that one day was a blessing that the doors opened. You got keys and you had your apartment and your house and your little place. And now you're used to it. Had it for a while. Complained against it. Be careful that you're not today complaining against a provision from the Lord they, they're complaining against God's supernatural daily provision for them manna be careful that you're not doing that something God has graciously provided that you're complaining against it um, we're to be grateful thankful for everything that comes from the Lord to us we don't want to be complaining and griping about the things that he does and I find this interesting, but the thing that many people are complaining against, um, the thing that they're complaining about, 
There's always, there's always someone else out there that would count it a blessing. That job that you're complaining about is somebody at the unemployment office today in line that would just, I'll take it. They'd take it in a heartbeat. That job you complain about that, that's, I won't say your spouse, but that's, that's how that happens too. You know, somebody else, I'll take her, I'll take them. You know, that person you complaining about, then you'll be all feeling some kind of way at that point. Those things that we're complaining against, there's somebody else out there that's like, man, that car would be a blessing to me because I don't have no car. Uh, you know, that, that, that job, that thing that's a complaint, be careful that you haven't become dissatisfied with God's provision. Um, you know, the manna, understandably, I mean, they had the same thing every day and maybe that got old. But at the same time, food was, I mean, anybody here wake up and have food just show up every day? No, nah, you got to go to work. You got to go get your, you got to go work. You got to, I mean, you know, that just doesn't happen every day. You know, you don't wake up and just, there it is. I'm going to get mine outside. I got my manna, you know. We don't get that like that every day. That's a, it was a supernatural provision and they had lost the awe that God would do that for them. They lost the sense of, wow, that God was providing this for them on a day-to-day. Look at verse six now. It says, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. I just want to point out that God sent the fiery serpents. These, you know, like just, you know, you read this lightly, the, 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 the devil sent that. The devil sent the snake. The serpent is the devil. The devil sent, no, 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 no. God sent the fiery serpent. This is God's judgment on them folks for complaining against him and against Moses. Why they call them fiery serpents? Because the venom in these serpents, when they bit you and released it, it burned. It, it burned in your body. And the people were getting bit and they were dying. Most of us don't like snakes. Most people don't like snakes. And at this point, God says, as my judgment on you guys, I'm sending out these little fiery serpents. They're going to bite y'all and y'all going to die. And as this is taking place, look at verse uh, seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, but we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he t- that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now that the people are getting bit and dying, I mean, imagine you're out there in this congregation, you just finished complaining, God, your worthless bread, man, I'm mad, he's complaining, and this is like the next thing that happened, the serpents start falling down, or I don't know, they fell down from heaven, or they just start showing up on the ground, but friend next to you get bit in the grass, and over there got bit in the grass, and people are falling down and dying, and now, in fear for themselves, they cry out to the Lord. Okay, 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 but they do the right thing, they confess their sins, and they ask for prayer. And I, I just think this is awesome about the Lord. If it was anybody else, right? If, if there was somebody that kept sinning against you, and then as soon as they sinned against you and something bad happened, they were like, okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And how many times would you forgive somebody that that was just their relationship with you? They just dog you out. And then, and then one star start going bad. Okay, 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 okay. You know, we, that gets old for us. That's just human nature. That gets old. But I'm amazed at God's patience, right? They, they did it again. They did the same junk all over again. But as soon as they say, okay, okay, God, we, we messed up. We complained against God. We complained against you. We complained against Moses. We've sinned. We're sorry. Help us. He helps them. That should encourage you and me because we'd be messing up too. We do the wrong thing too. And it just should be really encouraging to know that, man, when you come back, when you cry out, when you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. That God's just long-suffering. He loves you. And it's a bigger deal to him that you get right 
than than that you just stay out there. It's a big enough deal for the Lord that he's made a provision for it, for you and for me, that we can get right. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.